It's time to feel the rage. Welcome to Film Rage, where we talk movies in cinema, streaming classic films as well. Directors and actors beware as you cannot hide from the rage. My name is Bryce and I'm part of the Film Rage crew, which also includes... Wait a second. I'm a crew of one this week. Jim is recovering from COVID, but don't worry, he's feeling much better. And Murray, well, no idea why he's not here. But... I would think this will be a welcome change as you won't have to skip all the Jim and Murray segments to get to mine, as this will be all my segments. Won't it be nice to be able to just listen to the whole podcast without having to fast forward through the Jim and Murray segments? So with the introductions out of the way, let's rage on. So thanks to all that have been supporting us. If you love our independent podcast, please like, subscribe, share, and give us a five-star rating on your listening platform or support us and join the Film Rage community by joining our membership at buymeacoffee.com forward slash Film Rage YYC. If you cannot commit to a membership, you can still buy us a movie and dare us to see a terrible film. And you know what? We'll watch it. Now, let's get to raging. But first, a word from our sponsor. Hey Bryce, what are you doing tonight? I'm going to my favorite cinema, Canyon Meadow Cinema, to see the best second-run movies at the best price. What? How inexpensive are they? Regular price is five bucks, five bucks. Regular price is five bucks, five bucks. Makes me hope they also serve pizza. They do, plus a lot of other great food choices. Plus, I'm planning my office Christmas party there. They can host a plethora of options for any get-together. Gaming, movie, drag show? Drag show? Now I know why I'm planning my next party. Hey, maybe you think there's a, a Liam Neeson or a superhero movie plan? Ugh, I hope not. But uh, maybe there'll be a great independent documentary. Sure. Call CMC at 403-670-5444 to book a special event or go online at canyonmeadowscinemas.ca. All right. So I was able to watch three movies this week in the cinema. And uh, some of them were good. Some of them were not so good. Let's just jump right into it. We're going to open with The Banshees of Inisherin. Ah. The Banshees of Inisherin, Written and directed by Martin McDonough. And starring Brendan Gleeson and Colin Farrell. Is a story of two men. One of which decides he does not want to be friends anymore. The first time we saw these two in, in a McDonough movie was back in 2008 in Bruges. The chemistry they had in that film was undeniable. And 14 years later, that chemistry is still undeniable. The simple story takes place on the island of Inchirin. Off the coast of Ireland in 1923, as a civil war is taking place on the mainland. The war serves as a bit of a metaphor for the civil war about to take place between the two main characters in this story. Colm, played by Gleason, is a fiddle player who realizes that he wants 
his life to mean something, and decides that his friendship with Patrick, played by Farrell, is stunting that ability. So after some not-so-subtle attempts to end the friendship, Colm tells Patrick that if he speaks to him again, he will cut off one of his own fingers and will continue to do so until Patrick leaves him alone. This, of course, is a major statement as Colm is writing a song on his fiddle that he hopes will serve as his legacy. Losing one's digits would definitely impede his ability to play the old fiddle, hence preventing him from writing his song. This is how the film's first act plays out and sets the stage for all sorts of growth and evolution of McDonough's characters. Gleason and Farrell are at their best, especially in the quiet moments in this film. Watching Farrell furrow his eyebrows as he attempts to work things out in his head is some of the best moments, and Gleason... Oh, he can stare a hole through your soul if he felt the need, and does so on more than one occasion in this film. I should also mention Barry Keegan as Dominic. As the town simpleton, he comes close to stealing a couple of the scenes from the two leads. He is brilliant in every performance I have seen him in, including this one. McDonough has once again presented an unforgettable cinematic experience from the cinematography, to the music, to the performances, to the stellar writing, to the amputated fingers being flung about. This movie delivers on all fronts. This movie was Mondo. I love this film and I would be shocked if it does not make my best of the of uh, 2022 list this year. All right, so from there, let's switch gears. Big time. Second movie we're going to review is Armageddon Time. Armageddon Time is the story of Paul, a 6th grader in 1980s Queens who dreams of being an artist. The film seems to be well-intentioned as director James Gray shows us the innocence of a child, give way to the realization that bigotry and injustice are ever-present. There are some good scenes sprinkled throughout this film, such as the interactions of Paul, played by Banks Rapetta, and his grandfather, played by Anthony Hopkins. One scene in particular stands out where the grandfather lets Paul know that he must be a mensch above all else. This is one of the bright spots in the film. Also, the scenes involving Johnny, a black classmate, are poignant and paint a picture of the time. Paul and Johnny develop a friendship and their scenes are memorable, but unfortunately Johnny's character is extremely underdeveloped, especially considering he seems to be the genesis of this whole project. Uh, the performances stand out with his expressive eyes stealing some of the scenes. Anne Hathaway is the mom and, you know, she's fine. Jeremy Strong plays the father and I'm not sure I can remember a character being so poorly written. There is no arc to his character at all and none of his actions seem to be related to anything we had seen from him in previous scenes. He goes from fun-loving to serious to abusive to understanding and not one time does it make any sense. Who is this guy? It seems as if they just made him whatever they felt the story needed at that moment without any justification to his actions. He was five different characters in this even though he was the same character. This was some brutal writing. There was also a whole slew of throwaway characters that added nothing to the story, especially Paul's brother. As mentioned, the film at, a, at its heart really was well-intentioned. 
but with underdeveloped characters that should have been more prominent and a father character that sinks any type of logic, this makes this movie a frustrating rage. Alright, let's switch gears again. Let's talk a little Terrifier. Terrifier 2 to be precise. The uh been waiting for this movie for a while since I saw it was coming out. I was a big fan of the 2017 release and uh I wanted to get uh, to know Art the Clown a little more. And I did. I did. So Terrifier 2 starts out where the 2017 film ends. Its opening couple of scenes are brilliant and brutal and graphic and funny and set the stage for what I thought was going to be one of the best slashers ever, given the tremendous start the film gets off to. Who knew that watching Art the Clown doing laundry or playing patty cake with his little imaginary friend could be so darn entertaining? The gore is fun with practical effects galore. No CGI here. Art the Clown is endlessly entertaining in every scene. There are plenty of jump scares as well. All the ingredients are here for a horror classic. But while the first Terrifier clocks in at a perfect 85 minutes, Terrifier 2 is 2 hours and 18 minutes long. Everything was better in this sequel except for the fact that it is way, way, way too long. Director Damien Leone, who also was the film's editor, needed to take a cue from Art the Clown. Art the Clown did more than his share of cutting through this gore fest, but unfortunately, Leon seemed to fall in love with everything he shot, as he did not do any cutting at all. I cannot express enough the potential this had, but no movie in this genre should be two hours and 18 minutes. Instead of being thrilled for 90 minutes, I was exhausted as I attempted to finish the marathon known as Terrifier 2. Still, Lots of great practical effects, demented humor, and one of the best horror villains in decades makes this film meh. Could have been a Mondo with a little editing, but I digress. So that is all we've got for in theater, but I got a special, special, special surprise for you. I did a little streaming this weekend as well. Ah, streaming. Missed that music. Let's listen to it for a bit. Oh, yeah. So, those of you with a Roku device would have noticed that every time you turned it on, you got a giant advertisement for Weird, the Al Yankovic story. And I would imagine that anybody that had a Roku device could not resist clicking on that. And uh, what you get is uh, quite a movie, quite a movie indeed. So Weird, the Al Yankovic story is the brilliant life story of Alfred Yankovic. A young aspiring accordion player who made the big time. 
The film's up, the, sorry, the film ends up being exactly what I wanted, but not at all what I expected. Yankovic has shown us that he can obviously parody the music industry, but with this film now, he has shown us that he can do the same thing with one of our boy Jim's favorite genres, the biopic, with just as much, if not more, effectiveness. The story follows Al's journey to superstardom from his formative years right through to his final days. Wait, isn't Weird Al still alive? Well, you'll just have to watch the film and decide for yourself. We also follow Al as he finds the inspiration for my Bologna while making lunch for his buddies. We witness Al get challenged by John Deacon of Queen to parody one of their songs at a party which culminated in... Another one rides the bus. Another one rides the bus. A party that was also attended by Pee Wee Herman, Divine, Gallagher, Wolfman Jack, Andy Warhol, Alice Cooper, Tiny Tim, Kate Pearson of the B-52s. Frank Zappa was there. Two members of Devo were there. Grace Jones, John Denver, Elton John, David Bowie, and Salvador Dali was even there. And at one point he proclaims, Weird Al will change everything we know about art. High praise indeed, Mr. Dali. From there we learned that one of Weird Al's biggest hits, Eat It, was actually a totally 100% original song. And it is Michael Jackson's Beat It that was in fact, the parody. We also learned that Al's torrid, we also learned of Al's torrid love affair with Madonna, his excessive drinking, as well as his hallucinogenic drug consumption. So much is learned of the man who was the most popular recording artist of all time and who was deemed by People Magazine the sexiest man alive. This is parody at its best. Daniel Radcliffe is the perfect Weird Al, and you can see the joy portraying this character gives him. The film does not lose any steam as it rolls along, with the laughs coming at a consistent rate throughout. It has been a while since I've laughed this much while watching a film. I enjoyed this more than I ever thought I could. Weird, the Al Yankovic story was... Mondo! Temperature rising. Vision blurring. Rage taking over. My rage this week is that this weekend, Black Panther Wakanda Forever is the only new release. I absolutely hate when these superhero movies get released and take over over half the screens available, leaving no room for anyone else. So really, I guess my rage is with Marvel. What else is new? Screw you, Marvel. You are killing the film industry. That's killing me. (laughs) 
special edition of the list this week i think it's time that we get a couple of people that have been overlooked for far too long on a couple of our lists i got one for mesmerizing which i think is a no-brainer i think everybody here will agree and i got one for undoubted so we are going to start by nominating mr ben affleck as mesmerizing I think we can all agree that he is the finest actor of ours or any other's generation. Add to the fact that he's a tremendous writer and he has penned the screenplays for The Last Duel, Live by Night, The Town, and Gone Baby Gone. And do not forget, he won an Oscar for writing Goodwill Hunting. Also, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention his directing ability as well, as he is the man in charge in the aforementioned Live by Night. The Town, and Gone Baby Gone. Oh yeah, and he directed the best picture of 2012, Oscar winner Argo. With more projects in the works as a director, he should be undoubted in that category in the near future. Any objections to Affleck being on the uh, mesmerized list? Nobody objects? All right, I guess it's official. Ben Affleck is mesmerizing. All right, and now for another person that is long, long overdue to get his rightful place on the undoubted list. I nominate Mr. Rob Zombie. Let's take a look at his films and see if it actually does measure up. So last, we have 2022's The Munsters. Zombie brings his vision of the classic TV series. I mean, it's a hilarious meh. Uh Uh-oh, I hope the next one isn't meh. Let's see, Three from Hell from 2019. I'll tell you, it's the weakest of the Firefly trilogy, but it's still Mondo. Then we got 2016, 31. Hard to look away from the horror in this one. It is also Mondo. Then we got 2012's The Lords of Salem. So much atmosphere in this tale of demonic possession. Uh, what was this? Oh yeah, it was Mondo. We're halfway there. He is looking good. Oh, maybe we've run into a little bit of a hiccup. Halloween 2 from 2009. Well, for those expecting a copy, you will be disappointed. If you're looking for just a, you know, shot for shot sort of retelling of what John Carpenter started, well, this isn't the movie for you. But if you are willing to let zombies' creative liberties stand on their own, you will see the brilliance of this film. Halloween 2 was Mondo. Then we comes to Halloween. It's an interesting take, but doesn't truly find its stride until the sequel that I just discussed. But nevertheless, this was meh. 
So let's see. We got Mondo Matt. No, he's still okay. All right. Let's see. What else have we got here? Oh, yeah. The Devil's Rejects from 2005. It is the second entry in the Firefly trilogy. Simply one of my favorite movies of all time. Bill Mosley gives one of my favorite performances ever. This movie from start to finish is Mondo. I wouldn't change a shot in this film. Rob Zombie at his best. And that brings us to the eighth film, which is also Rob Zombie's first film. 2003's House of a Thousand Corpses. It's the movie that introduces us to the Firefly clan. It's stylistic, it's gritty, and it's also Mondo. So if we go through the list, let's see. We got Munster's Meh, Three from Hell Mondo, 31 Mondo, Lords of Salem Mondo, Halloween 2 Mondo, huh. Halloween Meh, the Devil's Rejects, Mondo, House of 1000 Corpses, Mondo. Congratulations, Mr. Rob Zombie. You just got yourself on the undoubted list. All right. Two people added to the list, and well overdue, I might add. So Ben Affleck, mesmerizing. I'm sure no one can argue with that. And Rob Zombie, undoubted. Also, absolutely no arguments there. So with that little bit of business out of the way, uh, I think we should do uh, maybe two mesmerize-offs this week. Um, just because with Wakanda Forever being the only movie that's coming out in the theaters, I think we need a little more content for next week's episode. Uh, so I am proposing that we watch The Gunman from 2015. It stars Jim's mesmerized for life, Sean Penn. So obviously he isn't going to be part of this. But along with Sean Penn, we have Idris Elba, Javier Bardem, and Mark Rylance. So that is one heck of a three-way dance. Idris Elba versus Javier Bardem versus Mark Rylance in the 2015 release, The Gunman. So looking forward to watching that again. Also, we have one more proposal for the Mesmerized Off, and that involves the movie Moonrise Kingdom from 2012. This is, of course, Wes Anderson's gem of a movie. Anytime I get to watch some Wes Anderson, I am a happy camper. Although it will be sad if one of these three people ends up being taken off the mesmerized list. Those three people would be Mr. Bill Murray. He will be going head to head to head with Francis McDormand. Oh my goodness. And Tilda Swinton. Oh, that is rough. I I I I That is rough. Um this is one of those cases where I kind of I kind of hope we all disagree cuz I really don't want to see any of these go. At any rate, one might. So, for next week we are going to watch The Gunman and Moonrise Kingdom and see if we can shorten our mesmerized list cuz we have too many people on that darn list. All right. 
right, so that brings us to the end of our episode. Thanks, Ragers, for listening. Thanks to the extended Film Rage family. You can see them on our show notes. Thanks to Casey from The Nerdy Photographer for the voice of Rager Dare. He will be returning soon to the pod when we are back to full strength. Find us everywhere on SM, which I am told stands for social media. Whatever that is. At Film Rage YYC. Social media. Huh. Find us everywhere on SM at Film Rage YYC. I'm sure some of you know what that means. Check out everything Film Rage at FilmRageYYC.com. I know what that is. That's a website. I've been to it. It's, uh, it's worth checking out. Uh, at FilmRageYYC.com, you can actually click on our merch site for Redbubble and TeePublic. We sell merch, apparently. Uh, I might have to pick something up for myself. Perhaps a nice hoodie. We're always wanting to make this a raging blast for all our listeners, so please comment, like, and subscribe, or send us an email to filmragecalgary at gmail.com. Dare to see a terrible movies to fuel our rage. But no matter what you do, please, please make us rage. Please, please. That's it for this week. Rage on!